This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're going to start off with a Kleyaka, which you'll find if you look in a Mikros Kedayla's Chumash. Okay? Very fascinating Kleyaka. So the, the Pesach says the following. Hashem al Avram. You didn't have a hey yet. Hashem said to Avram, Lech Lecha. Go for yourself. Me'atzacha. From your land, umiladcha from your birthplace, umibezavicha from your from your father's house, elharet to the land. Asher arek. I'm not telling you where you're going. I'm telling you to leave where you are, right? Because you got to leave where you are to get where you're going. But I'm not going to tell you where you're going. I'm just telling you you're going to go to the land that I will show you. So. And then the father goes on, I'll make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I'll make your name great, you'll have bracha, whoever blesses you will be blessed, whoever curses you will be cursed, right? So the question is, this is supposedly, this is number two, not supposedly, this is the second hardest test that Aram Avinu went through. What's so hard about this test? It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing hard about this test. If Hashem came to me, right, if Ram didn't have any children, he had nothing. Hashem came to him and said, leave this, leave this, leave this, but I'm telling you that wherever you're going to go, you're not only going to have children, a huge nation is going to come from you, you're going to be rich, you're going to be famous, you're going to be blessed. What's the test? Why is that a test? Someone tells you, Leave New York, you're not doing well, whatever it is, where you're going to go, you're going to be the richest guy in town, you're going to have kids and children, and, and your life's going to be amazing, and you won't have to pay your mortgage, you have no mortgage, you have no rent and nothing, everything's great. You're like, I'm out of here! So why is that a test? Why is that the second hardest test that he had? Jumping into a fire, all these things, why is that the second hardest test? This is the basis on a theory that I speak about a lot. Um, that I that I use a lot, I, and I and many times have found out things about kids that other people did not because of this theory. And the theory is like this, and it, it, it's based on the Torah. It's based on this parsha. People are creatures of their environment. In Parshas Noach, at the end of the parsha, when they were all speaking one safa, one language, and they all lived in one place, and they wanted to build a uh, the Tower of Babel. They wanted to build this tower to go to Shemayim, to fight with Hashem. By the way, how come they didn't get punished for that? Anyone here know why? Any, what, what, was, what happened because they did that? Hashem mixed up their languages, spread them across the world. They didn't get punished. Noah's generation got wiped out. These guys are saying, we're building a castle to... Fight you, Hashem. And the answer, there's two-prong answer. Number one, they believed in Hashem. If you're building a castle to fight with Hashem, then you believe in Hashem. Number two, the reason they had the power to do it was they had a safa acha. Safa acha means one language. One language means that they all got along. So, in the times of Noah, they stole from each other. Stealing from each other, you don't get along, there's no achas. Hashem's like, I can be much everything to do to me, but if you don't get along with other people, that I won't forgive. So by, by Noah, they, didn't, they, they stole from each other. Here, they didn't steal from each other. Yes, they were going up against Hashem. I'm not going to punish them for that, I'm, because they all get along with each other. Safa achas. So he spread them across the world, and what he did was, he created environments across the world. And he even said in the Pashas, in Pashas Noah, after he destroyed the world and he recreated it, that he created the seasons. He says it's going to be a winter, a fall, a summer, and a spring. And that's how the world's going to be. It's going to have seasons. Because you have people that like it hot. You have people that like it cold. Right? And Alaskans, right? I was up there. It gets really cold. They don't leave their house for like eight months. Right? It's freezing. How can they go to Florida for those eight months? And the answer is they hate Florida. It's hot. It's disgusting. And the Floridians hate cold. So, and people like to live in the mountains, and some people like to live in the cities, and people will pay millions of dollars for a brownstone in Manhattan, and people in Muncie are like, I would never live here, there's no grass, there's no, I can't cut the lawn, there's no crickets, New York City, there's no crickets. So, 
so, but then there are people who only want to live in the city. And there are people who only, that Muncie's too busy. They want to go further up to the mountains. So, why not Hashem do that? Because the world would not be inhabited. Everybody would live in one place. So, he created environments. So, people get used to their environment and they don't want to move. If someone came to me today and said, I'll give you $5 million to leave New York and to go to someplace in Dakota, we have exactly a million of 10 people. We want you to be the rabbi there. We want you to open Ornava there, right? I'm like, I'm not going. No, but we'll throw in a big mansion. Two cars, two Maseratis. You can go to Israel four weeks a year. I'm like, I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? Why are you going? My family's here. I have Landau's. I can dive into Meyer till 1 o'clock. And then I can go to Shemr Shabbos. I can dive into Meyer till 3 o'clock. If I'm starving in the middle of the night, I can go Omnons at 1.30 and get a pizza, right? Goldberg's on 18th Avenue is open 24 hours. I can get anything I want at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. I can go shopping if I want at 3, 4 I'm used to, and I'm a Muncie boy, so I was not used to this, but I'm used to the city. And I'm used to the availability of, you know, when, you go, when I go out and for business and there's not even a kosher store, and you have to go to a supermarket and buy pickles and tuna and Helmut's mayonnaise, and, you know, it's here, you just, whatever you want. People come in, they're like, I can't believe it. Pizza shop, pizza shop, pizza shop, bagel shop, pizza shop. Wow, this is crazy. So what happens is, and then there are other people, ugh, I hate it. Brooklyn, oh, cars, concrete, filth and dirt, and uh, I live up in this place, there's no one, the, the postman has to, like, there's like five miles between each house, and they have to bring the mail. So he created what's called an environment, and we are creatures of our environment, and we will fight to stay. It's very hard to change your environment. So when you have a kid who's, and I always ask the question, like, like when did your kid, your, your, every parent said the same thing. My kid was the perfect student, perfect student. And then something happened in seventh grade, or in eighth grade, she started not wanting to come out of her room. She started becoming unsociable. She was she sociable before? Yeah, she had a lot of friends. She thought she was an A student, an olive student, and then she, all of a sudden she got sixties. So I'm like, okay, let's take a graph: one years old, two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old, six years old, straight line, seven years old, eight years old. Uh oh, eight years old. She came back from camp, and she didn't leave her room. So all of a sudden the graph stops and it goes chum. And she started doing bad in school and no friends and got very into herself. So we circled that point and I'm like, now, now I want to talk to her. And the first thing I do when I sit down is like, when you came back from, when you came back from camp when you were eight years old, tell me exactly the trauma you had in camp. And she's like, who told you? Nobody knows. I'm like, nobody told me. I'm looking at your graph. You don't go from an olive student to a 60 student. For no reason. You don't... A friendly girl who has a bunch of friends stop talking to her friends for no reason. You don't leave your environment for no reason. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I don't believe in Hashem for no reason if you're brought up in a from family. All of a sudden you woke up and you what? What happened? You woke up and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't believe in Hashem. I have questions. You didn't have questions until you were 16? Well, if you were 16, you had questions? No. Something happened that you need to get rid of God. He can't be in your life anymore. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing. So let's look at when that epiphany came to you that there's no God. And you'll always find abuse. You'll always find abuse at that point. Because abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, are all things that push a person out of their environment. Totally. Totally out of their environment. And once out of their environment, they don't know how to handle. A lot of people, a lot of girls that I, that I know, a lot of people, you can't get them out of their room. Cause, because even though she's in a dysfunctional home, her mother is depressed, her father's always screaming at her, her brothers are banging off, the, they're crazy, right? The whole, the whole place is crazy. And I'm like, okay, I'll get you a dorm. I'll get you to a school that has a dorm. Uh, I'll get you... No. I don't want to leave my room. So your room, what's your room? It's a four by four. What's your room? That's my safe place. I know my room. I know where the bathroom is in the middle of the night. I know where the kitchen is. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of abuse and stuff going on in my house, dysfunction. 
But my room is my environment. And my room, my environment, is my safe place. And therefore, even though Avram Avinu was told that where you're going, it's going to be amazing. He's like, but I don't want to leave where I am. I made a yeshiva, I had a base Yaakov, I had a school, I, I, I got a lot of Bali tshuvas, very nice, big nation and all that, but, but I, don't, I, don't, I'm, I don't need that. I'd rather just be where I am. So for Avram Avinu to leave his environment was the second hardest test. For people to leave their environment. So when you see a person who left their environment, there is a reason. Nobody wakes up in the morning who's brought up from in a from home, and just gets up the morning and says, I'm not keeping Shabbos anymore. It doesn't happen. Something, that's the, that's the, the not keeping Shabbos, and the not going to school, and the, I don't believe in God, and I have questions. That's all the, those are all the symptoms that something pushed this person. It doesn't have to be a child, it could be a 35-year-old guy. Something pushed this person out of their environment. And unless you fix what did that, the person's not going to change. And create. It's an interesting thing that the Mormons, in their therapy, in Utah, are very into that the Jewish kids that are in, their, that are in the rehab um, go back into their communities. In fact, two of the guys that run New Haven, which is a very big place for 13 to 18 year old girls, so I remember when the first Hasidish girl came to New Haven, I was very involved in that. Um, they didn't understand Hasidus. How could a Mormon understand Hasidus? So they said to me that they can't help this girl unless they understand the community that she came from because in the their 12 months, the last three months, they have to recondition her to go back into her world. But if they don't know anything about her world, they feel very much, if you don't go back to your community, you're not going to heal. So they came to Morrow Park and went to a tish, these two Goyim, right, got dressed up. It's not good because I don't really want them to know that much about us because they're missionaries. And they went to the tish and they went Shabbos morning to shul and they went to the three meals in that person's house that they were dealing with and they learned then to understand, to be able to work with Jewish girls, to understand. They very much believed that no matter how you fix the person, if you don't Christian, Muslim, doesn't matter who they're dealing with, Jew, if you don't take the person and put them back in the environment that they came from, they will not heal. If you take a fish, right, at the end of the day, if you don't put him back in the water, he's going to die. You can be nice to the fish, you can be very sweet to the fish, and if you don't put him back into his environment, right, he's going to die. So I heard an amazing thing where my lamb, was it Rabbi Lamb? No, I wasn't Rabbi Lamb. Who just told me this week? I don't think he was even... He said that... Um, maybe it was Rabbi Lamb, I'm not sure. But that, that um, this is a true story, that there was a tiger, um, a leopard, not a tiger, a leopard, that was in the zoo. And um, it had a little cage. So it would walk 20 feet, turn around, well, it had nowhere to go. It walked 20 feet, turn around... This very, very, very wealthy man came to the zoo with his grandchildren and he watched this, this, this leopard and he felt very bad for it that it's a leopard from the wild, from Africa and it goes 20 feet and it goes 20 feet. So he gave the zoo a gift, crazy amount of money to put the leopard back in the wild. Crazy amount of money. So they took this leopard out of the zoo, put him in a cage, flew him to South Africa, to where, where the lepers are, and he it was he he gifted, so he went and he wanted to see the leopard. You know, once they let him out of the cage, run into the wild with his whole thing. But you know what? They don't even know how to hunt because in the zoo they feed them, so they don't know how to hunt. So in the end, they're going to probably starve. But whatever. And this is what he this is what happened. They let the leopard out of the out of the cage. It went twenty feet, turned around, went back twenty feet, turned around. Went back 20 feet. It didn't run into the wild. They tried to push it into the wild. It only knew, because of the environment that it used to live in, to go 20 feet and go back 20 feet and go back 20 feet and go back 20 feet. 
But once you domesticate an animal, and that's his environment from when he's born in the zoo, right? So you try to put him into the wild, he's going to die. Because he doesn't know how to live in the wild. He doesn't know how to hunt. So we're very much creatures of our environment. So they very much believe you've got to put the, whether whatever religion they are, if you don't put them back into the community, they're not going to do well in an environment that they're not from. Those are goyim. That's how they, that's, that's how they do their, they do their therapies. So it's, uh, so, so for Abraham Avino, yeah, it's a big test. So when someone does leave their environment, something happens, something's wrong. There's got to be a reason. So sometimes you leave an environment for a job. You're not making enough money, you need to change. You don't have a choice. If you're not happy about it, we have to move. Not happy about it. So this was part of this test over here from, for Abraham Avino, but it's very much the psychology is a proof that if someone goes off the derech, there's a reason. Nobody just goes off the derech because just woke up, had an epiphany, woke up and said, I don't know, there's no God. Something happened. Something happened. I'm meeting with a girl tomorrow, very young kid, very young, 12, 13 years old kid, whatever it is. There's no Shiloh. Then something happened to this kid. She didn't tell anyone yet, but there's no question. She's not acting like a kid. Why aren't you acting like a kid? You're a kid. And you have friends that are kids. What, what happened? So I know right away before I even meet her that something happened. It's not like, oh, you know, oh, she's just a bad kid. She just decided to do stuff. No, no, she's not a bad kid. Something happened. There's some trauma there. Because again, you don't, you don't just wake up in the morning and, and, and change like that. So my proof to that is always this week's parasha, Lech Lecha. Anyway, the Kleyaka says something very fascinating. Kleyaka says the following. So Hashem didn't tell him, Hashem didn't tell him where to go. He asked an unbelievable question. He said, I don't understand. Why doesn't it just say in the Pasuk, Vayem Hashem al-Avram, Lech Lecha, El Ha'aretz Eka, go to the land I'm going to show you. So we all understand that if he goes there to Yisrael, he's leaving his birthplace. Why does it have to be, why does it have to say details, leave your father's house, leave where you were born, leave your land, just say, go to the land I'm going to show you. So he asked, what would have been back to say, why does it, why does the pastor have to say the details? Right? Because it doesn't sound like lech lecha go for you. it's going to be good for you, right? Hanascha. Okay. Anyway, he says the following very very fascinating. He says first of all, it's like it's like when you tell a child to do something that's a little scary. So when we talk to drug addicts about rehab, we never ever tell them you need to be there for a year. We don't even tell them you need to be there for ninety days because if you tell a kid you need to be there for ninety days. 90 days away from my friends. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Okay, 30 days. 30 days I could do. Then towards the end of the 30 days, we're like, we're not finished. You need another 30 days. I, I can do another 30 days, but that's it. And in the end, you do a year. But if you tell him up front, listen, you're going to this place and you're not leaving for a year, he's not going. So Hashem said, Pratim, he said, first of all, listen, Ramavino, you have to leave your country. All right. Country. Yeah, but it's also your birthplace. My birthplace and my country. And also, you're going to have to separate from your father, from your family. So, Kushbrochu sort of did it like, like what I'm saying. It was like, first this, but it's also this. And you're not going to also this. So, he sort of broke it down to him instead of just saying, all right, get up, leave. I'll show you where to go. You know, I'll show you where to go. He says, but he says, he says very beautifully. He says, Maisa, why did he end up in Eretz Yisrael? My father used to call this uh, uh, the, the Zionistic Koyaka. He, we learned this all the time. Listen to what he says. He says, there are three lechlachas here. Right? What are the three lechlachas? Your, your land, your birthplace, and your father's house. He says, no, there are four. Lechlacha is not lechlacha matcha. It's lech lecha is its own leaving. What is lech lecha? Leave yourself. Leave yourself first. Leave your nation. Leave, what does that mean, leave yourself? Is that in order to become the Avram Avinu that you need to become, you need to be able to push yourself 
aside. Because the, the, the one that gets in the way of most relationships and gets away in helping people is you. If you can get rid of the guy in front of you, which is you, then you're able to see everybody else. The problem that we don't see everybody else is because we get in the way. Our psychology, our what we need, what I am, my time, my life, all that stuff, my all the my's, they get in the way. So he said, it's not three, it's four. Leave yourself, leave your land, leave your birthplace, leave your father's place. He says, for sure, the hardest one to leave is yourself, by far. Because the other ones are Chinese, they're outside things. This is the hardest thing to do, is to be able to be mavatel yourself, to, to push yourself aside when it comes to others. But we know that Avraham Avinu was the king of Chesed. So Hashem told him here, you need to leave yourself if that's what you're, if that's what you're going to do. Why did he end up in Eretz Yisrael? So he says the following. He says that the human being was um, created from dust, from Adama, right? Where did Hashem take that Adama from? He says Hashem took that Adama from the Hara Maria. From the base where the Beisamikdash is, where the Kaisal is. That's where he took the dust from. He said he created human beings from there. He said, and, right? He Adam Mimkar Kefatai Nivra Umakairai, his essence, Min Hara Maria. Kimisham Laikafari. That's where Hashem, that's where Hashem took the dirt to make the human being. So the physical essence of the human being came from Hara Maria in Eretz Yisrael. Where did, the, where did the spiritual essence of a person come from? Where does the soul come from? So we know Yaakov Lino had a dream. And he was on Ha'a Maria. And going up and down the ladder were souls. So we know that souls come to the world also on Ha'a Maria. So the essence spiritually and the essence physically of a human being all come from the Ha'a Maria. And the world was created from the Evan Shasia, which is also on Ha'a Maria. That's in the Dome of the Rock where the Goyim have today. The rock, the actual stone protrudes a little bit from the earth, a little bit on top of, on top, and they have it, they have it in the dome. And that's where the earth, the, the world was created from. So the world was created from Maria. The human being dirt that made him into a human being was created from there. And his soul comes there. And the Medvi says, when Hashem gave the Torah, he schlepped Maria and put it under Hasinai. So that the Torah should be given in a place where there was Mesiras Nefesh, where Yitzhak was willing to die, to be able to be kind of Torah, to have real Torah, you have to be able to be Mesiras Nefesh. So Har Sinai had to have Har Maria under it. So Har Maria was where we're created from, where we get our souls, where the world was created from, and where the Torah was given, (coughs) underneath Har Sinai. So therefore, he says, interesting, a Kleyaka on the theory of physics, that Everything ends up being drawn to its original place. There's a fancier way of saying it, whatever it is. But therefore, automatically, and this answered a very big question for me. Automatically, without you understanding why, we are all drawn to Eretz Yisrael, to Yerushalayim, to the Kosa, to the, to Haramaria, because we all, we're all, Everyone is drawn to there where they come from, and that's where we come from. And you know, there are many times that I sit by the Kaisal on a Friday night, I see all these Chinese people come, and all these Goyim come to tour to see Friday night, and they come up to the wall, and they put down that little cardboard yarmulke, and now they have a little felt yarmulke, whatever yarmulke, and they walk up the wall, and they put their hand on the wall, Goyim, from Germany, from, 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 not Arabs. No Muslims. Interesting. I've never seen Muslims come to the Kaisal. But Christians and why? Because they go to the to the other place, and they, they also they, they also don't they also don't um, become gerim. The, the major says you'll never see them become gerim, even though I had one in my school. But whatever, she was had a Jewish soul. Muslims don't become gerim. Their hatred, whatever, for whatever reason. But anyway, so I sit there sometimes, and I watch these goyim, Nazi Germans, Chinese. Jew is, they, they were so far, and they put their hand on the wall, and they're like, praying, crying, and looking up, in awe, now imagine you're Chinese, right, you're coming to the, 
Jews' most holy site. So you're touring the world, right? You go, you go to see the people from India, their religion, the Hindus. There's this huge, what is it called? The, the word, uh, what? No, no, the, the place, the building, it's gorgeous. What? Taj Mahal, whatever it is, right? It's gorgeous. And then they go to the most holy, you go to the holy Arab place, is, 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 is there's two places, right? And, and, and the Dome of the Rock and everything. And these Chinese are coming like, the Jews, you know, the Jews, you see what their holy place? A wall with weeds and pigeons. What, what's going through those Chinese heads like? What, like you guys can't get a new wall up? Like what's up with you? We got a wall around the whole China. And you see them, Chinese, Japanese people, and they're just like in awe. They're just standing there. Some of them are even crying. And some of them put a paper in the wall. Like, why? What are you in awe of? It's a wall. And the answer is, it's where they come from. Every human being comes from Haramaria. Adam was created from the Afar and Haramaria. So they're back to where they come from. And there's a certain feeling and a certain pull that they don't understand. And all these guys come to the wall and they're, because they're coming, the Klayoka says it, because they're coming to the place that they were created from. Every human being. So it's just, a, my father always says that, like, you know, the draw, he had a very big draw to Eretz always he said this Klayoka is like, confirms his draw to Eretz because that's where we come from, that's where we got our souls, the Torah, everything, it's, everything is there. So if you love Eretz and you don't know why, Cleoka tells you that's why. Okay. The Rashi that I want to talk about, which I think you have to repeat at your Shabbos table, and I told people today, I said yes, you have to. If you have kids, you need to you need to sit at the table and, and you have to read this Rashi. It's a very, it's a Rashi that you don't usually get to because it's all the way at the end of the Pasha when you go to school, you usually don't get Pashlishi. So at the end of the Pasha never gets attention because you never get there. Listen to this Rashi. Well, Avraham, it's, if you want to look it up, it's Pasuk Chavdalet, Perik Yud Zayin. Avraham ben Tishim v'teisha shana. Avraham was 99 years old. Bihimolo b'sar olaso. When his brismila happened. It sounds like he didn't do it. Not when he did the brismila, when the brismila happened. So Rashi, has a, why is that, what's, what's that Lashen? Why is it using such a Lashen? So Rashi says the following. Not that Avram Sakin, Avram took a knife. We'll talk about this. Why Rashi has to tell us the details of a brismila. Not that Avram Sakin, Avram Avinu took a knife. And he grabbed the extra piece of skin that he needed to cut, the Arlo. And he wanted to cut it. He was scared. Because he was old. Doesn't say his hands were shaking, but it's mashma. If that's what he was scared, that he was old, that's what he'd be scared of. Being old is not a problem, right? So now, Ankarjbokh asked Abram to do this. He's got the knife, he's ready to cut, he can't do it. So what does God do when someone has got the knife, they're ready to do something, they're ready to change their life, they're scared? He sent down his hand, and he held on to the knife together with him, as we say in prayer every morning, he cut with him the bris. Lo, lo nema, it doesn't say the karois lo habris. It says imo habris. It's a Rashi. It's a Barashish Rabba. So, how can a Ramavino be scared? It's a big question that I have. I don't have the answer yet because I didn't look it up to understand it. But if a Ramavino was scared, that he was old, and his hands were shaking, and that he would hurt himself by doing a bris. How come he wasn't scared? So the Mepharshim say, no. He wasn't scared. Chas Shalom Abraham Avinu scared of hurting himself. That's not what he was scared of. He was scared that 
his hands are shaking, he's not going to do the mitzvah correctly. So he was scared, I'm not going to do the mitzvah correctly, I'm going to be over on a mitzvah. So he was scared, right? Well, if that's the case, how come years later, when he had Yitzchak, he wasn't scared when to do the shkita? He was very, he was older, that his hands were shaking and the shkita would, would be wrong. If you're scared by the bris, why weren't you scared by the, why weren't you scared by the akedah? It doesn't say he was scared by the akedah. So that's a question I have. I didn't look up an answer yet, so I don't know. But, what's much for this Rashi is that he was scared to hurt himself. So I think that our children need to know that even if Ramavina was scared, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. It's okay sometimes when something that you're supposed to do is just too hard. It was just too much from Ramavina. Hashem saw he's not doing the bris. But the real lesson here is why didn't Hashem? He saw Avram Avinu, couldn't do the bris. So if you're holding his hand already, why don't you just do the bris? Why didn't Hashem do the bris? Why didn't he do the bris? And it says, if Hashem would have done the bris, it would have healed immediately in that second. He wouldn't have had three days, sick, nothing. Hashem does the bris, it heals right away. Why didn't Hashem do the bris? And the answer is, you have to take the action. God will hold your hand, but He's not going to do it for you. A lot of people, Hashem, take care. No, no. Hashem says, no. I'm wrong. I'm not doing the bris for you. You have it. You're holding. Why did Rashi say he was holding a knife? I need to know the knife. You know, you read this, you get a little bit, you know, squeamish. The knife and that. And what? He's about to cut. And his hands are shaking. Like, ah! right? It's like. Why, why is Rashi telling me that? Rashi just said he wanted to do the milah. He was, he, was, he was scared he would hurt himself. Hashem helped him. Rashi is very graphic. He took the knife, then he took the skin, then he wanted to cut it, then he did his cut. Why is Rashi telling me this? And the answer is that he was ready. He did everything that he could do. He had the knife, he had the skin. He was ready to do it. But the next piece he couldn't do, he needed help. But he went all the way to the point that he needed help. And Hashem said, okay, I will help you. I will not do it for you. I will not enable you. We enable our children. You, for my child to grow, you've got to do it. I'll help you. I'll back you. But at the end of the day, you need to own it. You need to do it. So Hashem said, I will hold your hand. But I'm not giving you the bris. It's a very... Important lesson. There's a very famous medrash. I don't have it in front of me right now. What was his name? It's a medrash you'll find in the first parak in Shir Hashirim. Medrash Rabbah in Shir Hashirim. And I told the story. Maybe it was Rav Kahana. I'm not sure. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, I told the story that they were building the base of Mikdash. And they asked everyone to bring whatever they can for the building. Stones, jewels, gold, whatever. He was a very, very big tzaddik who was so poor that he had nothing. He didn't even have food. He had nothing to bring to the base of Mignosh. So he, he went out into the, wherever he was living, and there were rocks. And he chiseled a huge rock. He chiseled to make it into like a square thing that they could use in the base of Mignosh. But after he finished chiseling it, he couldn't carry it. It was tons, tons. So he was crying to Hashem that I want to give. I chiseled this rock out for you, but I can't, I can't, I can't carry it. It's impossible. Nobody could carry it. Even a crane today wouldn't be able to carry it. So three people show up, or four, four people show up. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I made a big stone for the base. I made this for the wall, maybe the coast of Marav even, I don't know. Um, and they're like, and how are you getting it to Israel? He's like, I, I, I got a problem. So they said, listen, we'll help you. Put your hand under the stone. Put your hand under the stone. And we'll help you lift up the rock. So, okay. Put his hand under the stone, it says. In a moment. They put their hand. In a moment, 
he's in Eretz Yisrael, and the rock's right there by the base of Mikdash. He's like, what? What just happened? So he went to Bezdin. What? They went to, he went to Bezdin. And he came to Bezdin, and he said, I made this rock. And these four people showed up. And they, I don't know how they got it here. It was impossible. And Bezdin said, they were malachim. They were malachim. So it's a medrash. It's in, it's, I believe it's by Shir Hashir in the first part. So the Medrash asks, it was Malachim, why did they ask him to put his hand under the rock? He couldn't lift the rock, and what do you need him for? If Malachim, let him sit on the rock, and then fly him there. Like, what? And the answer is, that Malachim understand the ways of Hashem, and if you're not willing to put your hand under the rock, even though you can't lift it, you have to do everything that you can do. He had the, he, he, he had the Arla, he had the knife, he did everything that he could do, but he was hands were shaking. If you do everything that you need to do, Hashem will help you. Hashem will do it for you. Hashem will help you. So they said, they, they accepted his matana, and they, it's one of the bricks in the base of Migdash, and he, they said, because you put your hand under the rock, that gave them a lot of the power to carry it to Eretz throne. So people make this mistake that, well, if I can't do it, what am I even trying the answer is no. You have to do the most that you can do as a human being. It's not for you to finish the work. But if you do what you have to do, Hashem will hold your hand. He will hold your hand. But He will not, even when He's holding your hand, He will not do it for you. You have to do the work until the, the best that you can do. What do we call that in Hebrew? Yishtadlus. It's a very big question, though. Ishtadlus is a tough question, especially in Shaduchim. If I have a Muna, why don't I have to do Ishtadlus? If I believe in Hashem, I could sit in my house, not even go to a Shachin, and go to the post office and not have a stamp. And there's a guy standing there saying, Oh, you don't have a stamp, let me buy you a stamp. And you're like, What's your name? What's your name? Sit, Shidduch. So, what do I need Shachan and what do I need phone? And the answer is no. You have to do the Derech Hateva, the natural way, even though I believe in Hashem. Why do it the natural way, and, I, and nothing's for there have anyway, because there's nothing that's natural. If you do what you're supposed to do, because Baruch will do what he has to do, but he's not going to do it for you. And one of the problems today is that we do everything for our kids, and we, we don't let them um, become people. And then when they get married, they don't know how to be a person, and they don't know how to treat another person, and they don't know how to be kind to another person, because we never let them be kind. We bought them everything that they wanted. We never let them be kind. To other people. And that's a very big problem. We enable, we enable our children. You, you need to teach them to do things on their own. You can't ride the bicycle for your kid. It's very nice to have a bicycle with a seat behind it. That you can put your little kid in the seat behind it. At the end of the day, he's going to get too big to be in that little seat behind it. And you're going to have to teach him how to ride a bike. And when they ride a bike, they're going to scratch their knees. And they're going to scratch their elbows and have a lot of band-aids. Have a lot of band-aids and Bactine, whatever they use today. I don't know what they use today. And Neosporin, because your kid's going to get hurt. But that's part of growth. That's what Hashem said over here. I'll hold your hand, but I'm not doing it for you. Even though Hashem holding his hand, the shtickle like a doing it for him, but Hashem didn't do it for him. He just held his hand that it shouldn't, shouldn't shake. I think it's a, a huge, a huge, 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 huge Rashi on two points. One that, that you, you don't, you, you don't have to be scared that you're scared. Even Avraham Avinu was scared. He jumped, through, he jumped into a kitchen of age. It's one of the questions that they talk about. And that's the proof that he was scared. The people who hold that he was scared to mess up the mitzvah, he jumped into fire. He's not scared of pain. He jumped into a fire. Kitchen of age. He's worried about a brisk meal. It goes a little, bit, a little bit painful. Your hand's shaking a little bit. So they say, no, it can't be that, he, that it was the pain. He, he had a fear of messing up the mitzvah. That was Avraham Avinu's huge, huge fear. He wasn't scared of pain. He jumped into a kitchen of age. It's more, more, what could have been much more painful. All right, everybody understands? You got the point from this Rashi? Don't be so uh, energetic. All right. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. Yes, okay. Very important point. So, Everyone, all of us know Avraham Avinu as a really nice guy. You agree? He was Baal Chesed. He was the Baal Chesed. He was a very nice person. He didn't even want to throw Yishmael out of his house. 
Look what happens between him and Lot. Okay? Lot, Lot uh, we all know the story, Lot had a lot of sheep, and he, had, he was a shepherd, and he let his shepherds go into fields, not muzzled, and he let the animals eat in other people's fields. Right? He had, he had, he was also rich. He had sign, he had sheep, he had cattle, he had tents. Right? Okay. But he riv ben roya miknei Avraham ben roya miknei Lot. The shepherds of Avraham and the shepherds of Lot had a fight. The Canaan Why does why does the pasuk tell us this? Anyone? Why does the pasuk tell us this? Lot and Lot shepherds and Avram shepherds had a fight, but you should know that the Canaanim and the Prism were still living in, in Eretz Yisrael. What does that have to do with the story? What does it have to do with the story? The Canaanim lived, who cares? Very important point. Listen, I'm not to him I don't want to fight with you. This is Avram that we know. Well, between my shepherds and your shepherds, because we're brothers. Right? So, so far, Avram's talking like normal Avram. But then, right, he said, The whole world's in front of you. Get away from me. He Separate. Separate yourself from me. If you go to the left, I'm going to the right. If you go to the right, I'm going to the left. What happens? What kind of talk is that? Listen, love, we're not getting along. You know, we have to separate. I'm sorry this has to happen. So you go your way, I'll go my way. No, this is, this is heavy stuff. You want to go right? <laughs> I'm going left. You want to go left? I'm going right. What happened here? That's not, that's not brotherly love talk. He parade is a very, it's like total separation. Total separation, me and you. What happened all of a sudden? And why does it tell us that the Canaanim were in the land? So listen to this. This is beautiful. When Avram went to Lot, and he said to him, Lot, this is no good. You, you, you know how, how I am about not stealing, and everybody's, every penny of a person is important to me? Listen, your shepherds are taking your sheep into people's fields and letting them eat other people's food. Lot to Avram, no. Didn't God tell you that Eretz Yisrael is yours? Right? So, you don't have children. At this point, you didn't have Yishmael or Yitzchak. You don't have anyone to inherit you. So if Eretz Yisrael is yours, and I'm the inheritor, I'm not stealing anything. The land is mine. So I'm not doing anything wrong. Comes the passage and says, oh yes, you are. Because that promise of Hashem to Klai Yisrael, that we're going to get Eretz Yisrael, that's after we come to Eretz Yisrael, and we throw out all the seven nations, and Eretz Yisrael becomes ours. But that's not now. Now, the Pusik says, now, now, Hakanani Ozbo'aretz. It was their land. That was only given to us much later. So Avraham Avinu said, what are you talking about? It's not ours. It belongs to the Canaanim. He said, no, Hashem said he's going to give it to you, and I'm your inheritor. We're not doing anything wrong. When someone does someone something wrong and he makes it right, he will never change. He will never do tshuva because what am I doing tshuva on? Right? I rationalized it. Lot came to Abraham and rationalized and said, listen, uncle, this is my land. Hashem promised it to you and I'm your inheritor. This is my land. My animals are not doing anything. Abraham Avinu was scared. If that psychology comes over to his shepherds, that this land is his land and they're not stealing, they will, he, will, they will just, he will destroy. If they know that he's doing bad, so his shepherds are like, I don't want to do bad. But he's, he's spewing a whole psychology that you're not doing bad, you're not stealing, it's ours. When that happens, you've got to get so far away from that person. When they start to rationalize that what you're doing wrong is right, he parade. You go, if you're going right, I am taking everybody left. 
If you go left, I, we are not going to be near each other. You, it's one thing if you say, listen, I'm a ganav and I'm stealing. And that's what, my, that's what I'm doing. Well, I can deal with that. But, and so where did he end up? Where did he end up? Where did the Lord end up? In the biggest city of rationalization that existed. Because in Sodom, they killed people. And they rationalized that they would him. If somebody was hungry and starving, and somebody would give that person food, they would kill the giver. Because if someone's starving, they would say, Hashem made them starving. And you're giving them food? You're going against Hashem. Blasphemy, you have to die. If someone's sick, and a doctor tried to heal them, they would say, you're going against Hashem. Hashem made him sick, and you're trying to heal him. They would hang him. And Avraham Avinu asked Hashem, next week's parasha, are there ten tzaddikim? Are there ten of them that really believe that they're doing the right thing? And Hashem said, no, they want to murder. They, first, they, first they're murderers, and they created a Torah, their Torah, to make it right. To rationalize it. So, Lot was a rational guy. He was like, we're not doing anything wrong. And Avraham says, yes, you are. Knani oz ba'aret. Knani are still in the land. It's not mine. He says, no, 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 it's ours. He said, we are so done that there has to be a parod. From people like that, there has to be a separation. If you're doing something wrong, you're eating chazer, you're being machal Shabbos, and you know that you're doing something wrong, you can do tshuva. But if you're like being machal Shabbos on a phone, you're like, well, the phone's not really machal Shabbos, and I'm addicted, and if I don't do this, maybe I'll commit suicide, so it's saving my life. And you start to make all these crazy stories to back in to make the phone okay on Shabbos, you're never going to do tshuva. Why are you going to do tshuva? You think you're doing the right thing. That was Sudaim. That's next week's Pasha. But this week's Pasha, the reason the Torah says that Kanani, Uzba Aretz, is to tell you that the Kanani was still there, the, the, the promise that Hashem gave was not for now, and Lot was saying, no, it's, a, it's mine. When you're dealing with somebody who does bad and then rationalizes and makes it good, run for your life. Because once you start doing that, you will not change. Because why should you change? You're not doing anything wrong. And that's why his, the way he, Aram was talking about, we shouldn't have an argument, we shouldn't have this, right? And then all of a sudden he changed his language because Lot was saying, why should we have, why is this a problem? There's no reason to have, this is not a problem, I'm not doing anything wrong. That's a very big lesson. I have heard the craziest Averis that people have done the craziest adult, crazy sins and listen to them totally rationalize it that it was like what they did was a mitzvah. And I'm looking at them, there's something really wrong with your brain. Like, don't you hear what you're saying? You hurt this other person and you're making it into something that, that you did a mitzvah and they really believe, not, they don't really believe, just the opposite. They, they, they make it into something good so they don't have to feel guilty about it. So that's also a very important lesson. When you start to rationalize stuff, you're in a very bad place. You know you did something wrong? I did something wrong? I own it. I accept it. That, that's why, by the way, in the halachas of tshuva, the first thing in tshuva is admitting the avera. It's vidui. If you rationalize what you did and that it's not wrong, you're never going to say vidui on it. So the, the first thing in tshuva is saying, I sinned. The second thing in tshuva is charata. I feel bad that I sinned. If you do what Lot does, if you rationalize, not only you, okay, maybe you'll admit that you sinned, but you'll never say, I'm sorry that I sinned, because in the end of the day, I didn't sin, but even if that is a sin, I don't feel bad that, I, that what I did, because I really did something great. So a person who rationalizes can't do tshuva. They can't do vidui. And they can't do harata, and they can't do hashava, they can't do any of the parts of, of tshuva that the Rambam brings down if you're a person who rationalizes. And that's what was going on here, and that's what Avraham Avinu said, that cannot mix to my, into my people, that, that when you do something wrong, and that's why he didn't go down to, to, to Sadaim to try to change who they were. He didn't. So, I want to end with a bracha. As much, as living in America and living in Brooklyn and wherever the people are listening, California, Chicago, I have to say hello to Toronto. Toronto is listening live. A group of girls in Toronto. So hello, Toronto. I appreciate what you did for me on, on Avino Malcano. And it's amazing that there's a group, I think it's the only, you know, there used to be a place in Dallas called Wednesday with Wallerstein. 
Um, I don't know if they if they're around anymore. And Kansas used to we used to have these women in Kansas that used to watch us, but I don't know if she's if they're doing that anymore. But I do know that Toronto was watching us. So first of all, I want to thank them for watching us as a group of a large group of girls. But I want to give the bracha, and the bracha is like this: that even though we live in America, or wherever we live, and we're in our environment, and we like it, and we're used to it, and we're comfortable in it, every Jew is willing to leave that environment to go with Mashiach, or really, even when Mashiach is not here, but to go to Eretz Yisrael. And why is every Jew, there's no problem if Mashiach comes at, oh, I, I, I need Shem Shabbos, I need the pizza shop. That's ridiculous. Mashiach's coming, I need the base Hamikdash. But outside of that, the reason that we have no problem leaving our environment, because the true environment of a Jew is Eretz Yisrael. And the true environment of Eretz Yisrael is Yerushalayim. And the true environment in Yerushalayim, even though there's a wonderful lady sitting here who who runs um, Rachel Imenu's, uh, um, the whole place over there, and she's in Beis Lechem, she's sitting here, but uh, she'll admit that the Kaisal is still the, still the place, and at the end of the day, the environment of a Jew is the Kaisel, because the Gemara says it's the place that the Shekhinah never left. But now that we learned this Kleyakar, we understand that the true environment of a human, and definitely of a Jew, is on Hara Maria by the Bankam HaMikdash, because that is where we were created from. The offer of the earth that you're standing on, when you stand by the Kaisel, the earth underneath it, was the earth Hashem made Adam with. And the ladder of Neshamas that are coming down right there by the base of Migdash, right, that's where our soul comes from. So the ultimate environment of a Jew is the Makam HaMikdash. So therefore we will have no problem leaving this gullus, this temporary environment, to go to the true environment. May we all be Zaycha together to go to the true environment with Mashiach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.